Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 74, episode 74. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, long week this week, buddy. How's things going in Houston? Yeah, man, it's been good. I uh, came down to Houston on, I think, Tuesday night and been down here all week. Excited uh, just to be down here. It hadn't been too terribly hot. I'm trying to stay out of the heat. Got to meet with a listener, which who left us a review. And so I uh, got to meet up with a listener, which is always great. And, uh, man, it's just been, just been going. And, apo- I, you know, apologies. I didn't tell you, Josh. I forgot to tell you. I, I got the, the podcast for last week. It was a little bit delayed because of my travel. So apologies to the listeners on that. Um, but other than that, man, it's been a good week. Awesome, awesome. Well, any luck uh, hearing from our winner of the gift card, the no. second winner? Garrett two two three. You got to hit us up, man. Hit us up on the bat line three one eight five nine 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 one nine two, or right at globalenergymedia dot com is how you can get in touch with us. Um, if you have a question, comment. You want you know uh, you want Josh how to answer three one eight five nine 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 one nine two or Ryan at globalenergymedia dot com. Speaking of global energy media. Let's thank our sponsor, which is Drilling Info. Um, you can get $100 free by opening your account with Drilling Info right now by going to globalenergymedia.com, globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse. So be sure to go to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse and get your free $100 today. Awesome. Well, mentioning the uh, guy you met with, Ryan, Rodney Strong Vineyards. Uh, it was under the title Wine and Oil. He gave us a five-star review written content so i'm gonna get to that real quick uh he said ryan new listener first time writing a review excellent job on the weekly ipod show great education information love the flow in the comments you guys are doing it every week keep up the great work very exciting to listen each week my name is ryan clark i am the national director for off-premise chains for strong vineyards houston is one of our top markets in the country supported by the oil and gas industry and all the local hotels and restaurants and grocery stores across the state Texas. Well, uh, we appreciate the review, Rodney, and uh, or Ryan, and uh, we, man, I, I think Ryan has some news uh, going to be coming out pretty soon. Some stuff we might be doing coordination yeah. and yeah. So hey, uh, I had a great time meeting with the folks at Rodney Strong. You can go to RodneyStrong.com to check them out. Um, but yeah, I had a great time meeting with them, and maybe we can work out a deal to give away some uh, some kind of wine giveaway or something like that with those guys. That would be. Uh, be pretty neat if we can get that worked out. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, Gear Two Two Three. Do not forget to contact us. You have what, Josh? Two more shows? Yeah, or no, three. Three, three weeks. We said the uh, we said the fourteenth. So it's uh, three weeks, I guess. So three weeks. Huh. But uh, be sure to get your rating and review into iTunes for your chance to win the fifty dollars Visa gift card. The drawing will happen on the sh- on the on Friday, September the fourteenth, which is when Josh and I record the show. Um, and so just, just a reminder, um, you know, when you put it in there, iTunes determines how long it takes to show up. So it might be a day, it might be two days. We don't know. So the earlier you get it in there, um, the better chances you have of being in the drawing. And if you put it one in there before, you know, two months ago, you're in the drawing. So only people who aren't in are those names who we've already drawn. Awesome. Well, Ryan, we're going to. I uh, hit a couple pieces of news that came out this week. The first one is uh, from the San Antonio Express News. It says, uh, the title of the article is Water Use Skyrockets in Oil and Gas Drilling in West Texas Permian Basin. 
Now, uh, water scarcity has been something that's been going on a bit in uh, you know mid mid Texas area. Uh, water's been rather scarce, and one of the reasons for that has been there's been a, a big uptick in the water usage for drilling in the Permian. They said since 2011, well has increased uh, water usage has increased 800 percent, 800 percent. So people have figured out ways to try to get a higher efficiency and yield from each drill. And what they're showing here on average is they're using 4,900 cubic meters per well uh, in 2011 to 42,500 cubic meters per well in 2016. And just to give you a little bit of scale or perspective, an Olympic-sized swimming pool has approximately 2,500 cubic meters. So they're using 42,500 cubic meters per well. So a lot of water they're using to, uh, to pump these wells, and, uh, and it's causing some concern with – you know, some water scarcity in the area. Now, Ryan, I wonder how they're going to try to alleviate this issue. If, uh, I mean, there's different water sources, but I guess the, the issue becomes getting it all transported from uh, what areas where water is plentiful. Uh, and then the, the cost of transportation as that demand increases could cause some, uh, some price hikes. Right. Yeah, there's a lot going on here with the water issue that we have to think about. And, 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 and you know, we, Josh and I have made it pretty clear that we're not for government interference. I think this is one time where, you know, um, I don't want, you know, the federal government involved at this level, but I think the local counties need to make sure that they have a grasp or they have a say in what's going on with the water because the folks in Austin, you know, they're not impacted if the water is drained from a local, from an area. Uh, and, and a great example of this is Flint, Michigan. You know, we, we're still talking about the water in Flint, Michigan, and that happened during the Obama administration. Um, why? Well, I can promise you if the water was like that in Washington, D.C., they'd have had it fixed a long time ago. Um, and so local politics is always the way to go. So, the, you know, the... the, the the concern here is always always local. Um, so the folks at the Permian on a county-by-county county level need to make sure that they're addressing this. There, there, there's questions that I always have. We talk about this, Josh, is, is how much water is in, in, you know, in these uh, reservoirs, these aquifers, you know, how much water is actually there. Um, when we throw out these big numbers, you know, how does that measure up against these? Because these numbers are, are huge. Um, but what percentage of the local reservoir, or the local aquifer, rather, um, is being drained by the, the fracking? And those are questions that I think you probably have to have a couple independent people look at to say this is what we think, the water, you know, this is the water we have, um, this is, you know, how much water the, 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 um, the frackers are using. And then also you got to talk about rain. You know, if it's a slow year for, you know, you've you got kind of a drought season, if you will, um, you know, how does that impact the water? Um, you know, I, I think the other thing is I, there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal that came out this week as well that you, that you sent over. And it said, um, this is someone who said that um, if the Permian goes up by 1 million barrels per day in oil production, it's going up 6 million barrels in water. And now this is this person, um, Christopher Manning from Trilantic. Uh, capital management, um, they're in the water disposal side of the business. But still, you can see that he's saying that for $1 million barrel production per day, the the water goes up 6 million barrels. Um, so it's creating business opportunities to get rid of the water, to also sell the water, to move the water. There's a lot of business involved here, which makes it very lucrative. And I think that um, that the only thing we have to be careful here as industry is we don't go and you know, uh, drain all the water from the citizens out in the Permian because then – that's that's not good. So that's always my concern, and I don't know you know who the leading expert is on the water out in that area. I'd love to get him on the show. I think there's a lot of questions, a lot of things to discuss. But I think we've talked about this before, Josh. Um, 
we do feel like, at least right now, the industry is aware of the potential pitfalls here. Um, and because we've talked about articles in the past, so it does feel like they are aware of putting themselves in a bad situation. So um, I, I have confidence, at least for now, that they're going to do the right thing. Yeah, and and you know, I think uh, what I'm what I'm seeing is uh, that a lot of people are pushing for ways to recycle water. Now, I have I am completely ignorant to the process of how they get water into the wells, back out, and then recycle that water. Take out the you know the frac sands and other chemicals they use to prop open those uh, those fracking. But I think if if you if you look at the technology and the pushes that people are making, they're trying to figure out ways to reuse this water uh, over and over again. And so I think there there is a possibility that we we even though the drilling uh, is going up, that there may be a possibility that people may become more efficient with their use of water. So they become more efficient with each well. Now they got to figure out how to be more efficient with the water use, uh, and I, that's not to say that they don't they don't use it. Just figure out ways to recycle it, and reuse the water that they've already they've already gotten. You know, I, I know that's a simplistic way of looking. I know it's a lot more complicated, but um, hopefully there there will be some moves and advances in that area you know, technologically um, in the water water right. field. Another reality is Josh is that in America we're so blessed with so many resources that we don't. You know, not resource scarce for the most part, um, and that includes water. And so that means technology like, you know, desalination plants and stuff like that. We haven't really begun to see them implemented on scale here in the U.S. So I think that the other thing is you can look long-term at a problem like this. You can say, you know, at some point we need to look towards the ocean and uh, and bring that water in, clean it up, and use it for drinking water. Or you might could – and again, I'm not a water expert here – you might could um, – not have to get as much salt out. I don't know um, for the fracking. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. Mm. But 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 the oil and gas companies would actually have the money to pay for that um, a lot more than me or you would. So with me and you, it takes a lot of me and you to make sure we can cover those expenses. Um, with the oil and gas companies, it takes a lot. They have a lot of me and you's because they're drilling multiple wells. So it works out the same because of the the way that their business works. Um, so I, I think that's one thing. Long term, regardless you're talking about fracking or not, in the U.S., that we're going to have to examine. I would imagine at some point is when do we start looking at, um, you know, bringing ocean water, cleaning it up, and using it for drinking water and things like this as well. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that as well, Ron. That's uh, that's interesting. Matter of fact, uh, get off the show today. I'm gonna do a little research on uh, on just ocean water and not only in terms of drinking, but in terms of fracking. Yeah, and if but we, we have, have another a, article, real quick, Josh, I was gonna say if we have someone who's in the water business who understands the logistics, please, 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 we'd love to get you on the show. Um, it's a it's a topic that we've talked about and it's a topic that's of interest. So we'd love to get you on the show. Three one eight five nine 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 one nine two or Ryan at GlobalEngineMedia.com. Be happy to get you on and just ask uh, ask the dumb questions, you know, so you can enlighten us. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that. I may I may try to search for some companies, Ryan, some water companies, and see if we can find someone to come on and answer these questions that way. I have to spend a couple hours Googling, looking for, <laughs> exactly. looking for answers. Well, we have uh, our, our good friend David Blackman. Uh, he released a Forbes article this week, and the title of the article is The Oil and Gas Situation in the U.S., Stable and Strong. He talks about the rig count, Ryan, going back to July 21st, uh, being at uh, 1,114, and it going up about an, uh, 20 rigs so far over that, that one-month period. He says that he expects that drilling count to continue a healthy, slow, sustainable trend to the end of the year, that he expects that number to keep rising. He says the the cool thing 
about uh, watching the, the rig count rise is that over the last seven weeks, oil prices have slightly dropped uh, on a consistent trend. So seeing the rig count increase in the price drop means that he, he, he thinks that the market's pretty stable in order for it to be able to do that. And it's not responding um, overly uh, anxious you know, to, to these price drops. It's just kind of the market's kind of trending in a stable condition. So it's great news. I think overall the, the stable, stability of the market in the U.S. is, is great. Um, and I, I expect, you know, looking at the, the rest of the year, hopefully, hopefully his prediction stays true and the rig count does slightly increase, you know, a couple rigs a week for the next, you know, 20, 30 weeks. Yeah. And there's two, two things. One, as you mentioned, he talks about the, the reason the rig count's increasing and that's because of the way the budgets are done. And, you know, back in April and May, you had the prices there and he's right. But also it means that when they, the, the prices were high in April, May, but it also meant that they believe the prices to continue to be within a certain range for the rest of the year. So, you know, if, if the prices were um, high, but they felt like that there was going to be a, um, you know, an over surplus, um, by the way, the storage reports are coming at, they might've taken a different, different approach. The other thing is with hedging, you know, we talked about hedging last year, you know, all the companies that are mm -hmm. hedged out. So that, so you have a lot, so David's dead on here. There's a lot of things. And, um, and so if the budgets are set, then they're going to be set moving forward. Um, unless you see a dramatic decline and you're not hedged, if you're hedged, it's not really a concern. The other thing I, I like that he pointed out, a lot of people don't point this out. Um, so David's on the point here. He says, the reality is any, any attempt to offset the volumes of reduced Iranian production would have to come from further increased export volumes by Saudi Arabia and Russia. And he goes on to talk about that. And that's important because we, we talked about this on the show before. Not all oil is created equal. And so, um, and it doesn't mean, and, and production spare capacity, if you will, is not the same from country to country. So it's not as easy as saying, well, you know, we're going to wipe Iran out when their oil production and the producers in the U.S. can pick it up. That's not always how it works. So I'm glad that that uh, that David pointed out because that's a very important thing to watch as we move through the end of the year is what are Saudi Arabia and what are Russia doing. And just the final thing on that we talk about on Energy, Energy Week podcast with Ellen a lot is that, you know, Saudi Arabia and, and Russia are doing a lot of deals together. Um, so, you know, they're kind of, I don't want to say in tandem now, but they, uh, they do a lot of joint um, joint ventures and things like that. So um, not only do we do you need their spare capacity in that sense, it's um, that they kind of align themselves together as well. And another uh, another thing in the article, Ryan, that uh, David mentioned, he has a little quote here about midway through the article. It says, U.S. crude exports along the Texas Gulf Coast exceeds imports in April. And he has a comment. This was the first time this particular equation has taken since the government began keeping records. Uh, so that's um, what he calls happy circumstances, uh, because uh, that, that's something that we've been really shooting for, I think, for the last year and a half or so. And uh, we finally got to a point where we actually exported more than we imported. And uh, it's unique for us. And I hope, you know, that it's something that we can continue to figure out and navigate. Yep, yep. And he, I like how he puts a little little barb in there um, to Congress. He says, uh, thus, the thus the maintenance and expansion of these ports remains a vital key to the ongoing American energy mm -hmm. renaissance. Are you listening, Congress? No, David, they're mm -hmm. not. <laughs> no, David, they're not. No. We're we, we beating the drum, you're beating the drum, and we've got to keep beating the drum. But sadly, no, they're worried about um, far less important things, it seems like. Yeah. I think uh, everybody... Everybody should get shovels, take two or three day vacation and go down there and get to work, man. We got to do this ourselves. <laughs>
That's right. Well, uh, well, Ryan, I think uh, I think that wraps up uh, the this article. I think there, you know, there's a few other things we're going to link it in the show notes. Some information about the EIA, um, natural gas production, and some information about the OPEC also in in the article. So we'll get that linked in the show notes if anybody wants to go over it. We also uh, anything you wanted to comment on, Ryan, before we jump into the roundup? Um, I have some events to talk about, Josh, but I'll wait until we're done with the roundup. Okay. Well, uh, looking at uh, we every week take a look at different news that's coming uh, out in the industry, whether it be mergers, acquisitions, job opportunities, things we see where we see uh, growing demand, uh, where probably some future opportunities will lie. Uh, we'll try to get some of that information in and uh, and share it with you guys. So the things we have is we've talked about it a few times, Ryan, is frac sands. We had Sergio Chapa on probably about a year ago talking about frac sands where it was something that wasn't being used um, as vociferously as it is now. And the the demand over the last 6 to 12 months has really increased. Uh, and I, there's an article that came out about six weeks ago where I mentioned this. But the numbers that the, we're seeing here, the market value for frac sands exceeds $4 billion in 2018. It's going to reach $6 billion by 2023. So to give you pr- some perspective, uh, on one of our first shows in 16, it was valued at 1.3 billion. So today it's 4 billion. That's that's an incredible increase, and they're expecting that to continue uh, to increase to 2023. So what that tells me, Ryan, is going to be some some new frac sand companies, uh, businesses around the Texas area supplying frac sands to the Permian, especially when they get some of this transport issues figured out. Uh, I think frac sand market is going to be huge uh, around San Antonio and Houston area. Yep, and that means, you know, if you can't buy a frac sand mine, start a trucking business because there's plenty yeah. of, <laughs> you know. Got to get it from one place to the yeah, other. That's right. Uh, the next one, next one, Ryan, technology, fracking robots in the works as Halliburton digitizes oil field. This always uh, gives people a little bit of worry. Um, we've talked about, you know, the distribution of labor enough. I hope uh, it gives some people a little bit of ease in mind. But uh, So Halliburton is trying to digitize the oil field, and, uh, and it's something – we're going to keep our eye on it. I don't know. I don't know when they're going to be able to get this fully um, enacted and on board. But um, it's definitely something that's interesting that they're making these moves. Burton's a pretty big company, and when they're making moves like this, it's always something to keep track of. What I'm interested in, Ryan, is going to be the information and the, the digital technology they're using. Uh, if you could. If, if there's any way to get a beat on who those companies are and the opportunities that are going to be coming up at that, those technology companies, which they just be pulling them under their own umbrella, uh, but they're still going to be uh, even like subcontracted out these these companies where opportunities will be definitely coming available. Yeah, and a big company like Halliburton, you know, they're um, all over the place, all over the world, and so you know when when they're when they're doing stuff, it's going to be, um, you know, the, the, I guess what I'm trying to say, um, trying to say is is that you know they work for so many different people in the in the oil and gas market that you know that this is information that you will see um you know spread out across the different entities just by the nature of Halliburton and, and where they work but you know the other thing is Josh and you kind of touched on it you're not sure when they're going to roll it out that's because they're not sure you know we're talking um they're in the test phases of this thing and it's gonna be a couple of years before they even yep. try to roll it out and and this final point on this 
headlines like these sometimes never come true. So keep that in mind. You know, they, they, yep. they think they can do it, and you know, two years from now they realize no, it's not even possible. I, yeah. I have I have no idea, no inside information. Just just something to, to remember. Yep. Yeah. You know, it may be something that maybe 10, 15 years down the line for they can do, exactly. and they don't realize it yet. Yeah. So uh, last one, Ryan, Magnolia Oil and Gas to acquire South Texas assets from Harvest Oil and Gas for $135 million. Uh, so Magnolia Oil and Gas, uh, they're, they're getting these assets in South Texas. It is 4.2 million newly issued shares. Let me see if I can find the production of – it's 114,000 net acres – and it is 4,800 barrels of equivalent oil per day is what they're getting. Uh, so Harvest Oil and Gas Group, uh, I mean Magnolia Oil and Gas Group acquiring Harvest. So uh, should see should see some some moves being made by Magnolia, and hopefully they'll continue making moves around the area. And Ryan, I think that wraps us up today, man, for the for the roundup. Oh, I, you know, I saw something that came out about heart energy this week i didn't get it because it was uh it was closed it didn't give me any information on it maybe some of that will come to light uh next week uh but uh, heart energy there's going to be some news coming out next week about it 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 was all shut off they didn't give you any information on price acreage or anything else so uh, i'll keep an eye on that it was i think it was a pretty big deal i think it was with chevron uh chevron was doing something with it um anyway i'll keep an eye on it Okay, a um, couple things. As I mentioned, events. I will be in Norman, Oklahoma, um, September the 4th, speaking at the University of Oklahoma for their American Association of Drilling Engineers chapter there on campus. So excited about that. So if you are up in the Norman area and you're in that group or just a student, I don't know if it's open to all, but you can re- reach out to the folks at the American Association of uh, Drilling Engineers at the University of Oklahoma. Um, you can find them on Facebook or, or wherever, or you can reach out to me, and I'll be happy to hook you up with those guys, and uh, I'll be there. Also, the event in San Antonio, uh, Sergio Chapa will be stepping in for Josh Shelton that, that Friday and co-hosting, so that would be an interesting time at the 20 Holes event, 20holes.com. That's the number 20holes.com. Um, maybe even the folks from Rodney Strong Wine will be there as well, but Sergio Chapa will be sitting in for Josh Shelton uh, that Friday, so probably a, a big-time Eagleford show. I don't know, but we'll figure something out. Excited about that. So I'll be at those two spots. If you're in either one of them, let me know. I know I had one listener reach out already and said, hey, I'll be in San Antonio um, around those dates. Would love to meet up, and so we're going to grab lunch or something while I'm down there. Awesome, awesome. Well, Ryan, the rig count for the week is 1146. 1146. Uh, as David mentioned in his article, it has slightly went up a little bit this week as well. Okay. Well, that's a wrap. And again, be sure to thank our sponsor by going to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse, globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse, and get your $100 free dollars to start your account today. For Josh Shelton, this is Ryan Ray saying until next time, keep climbing.